Welcome to Insurance Uncovered, the first property casualty insurance podcast, bringing you perspective and insight on the top issues facing industry professionals. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kathy Imus. Today, we're uncovering state disaster spending, the new research that suggests states should do a better job of tracking their contributions to mitigation and recovery efforts. Plus, one state says no to the ALI restatement. Why Ohio lawmakers denounce the restatement of the law of liability insurance and why that's a big win for the industry. And would you like a long vacation? How one Loudoun Mutual executive benefited from his sabbatical and how the success extended to his company. But first, Congress has passed yet another short-term extension of the National Flood Insurance Program. Now the program is set to expire on November 30th, the final day of hurricane season. This is the seventh extension since September of last year, marking more than eight months since the House passed common-sense reforms that would protect policyholders, fiscally strengthen the program, and ease some of the multi-billion dollar burden on taxpayers. NAMIC is continuing its work with lawmakers to reform and extend the NFIP for at least another five years. As the government tries to manage the rising costs of natural disasters, the Pew Research Center found it is doing so without comprehensive data on the contributions made by state governments. A new study found states have varying approaches to how they spend on natural disasters, and tracking that information is a challenge. That's because many agencies are involved and disasters don't happen all the time. The Pew Center's Colin Ford says consistency in tracking data between all states is important. Essentially, there's a major policy implication when there's this much variation in how states are spending, which is that federal changes are going to uh, vary greatly state by state depending on the amount and mix of funding. So you can imagine a state that uh, is spending a lot on its own programs will be affected differently uh, if the threshold has changed. A state that is already investing a lot in mitigation is going to be affected differently if uh, the federal government is trying to incentivize that type of investment. Um, Which brings us to our recommendation for our report which is that state and federal policymakers should be prioritizing collecting this type of information as they're seeking to manage their growing disaster costs. Earlier this year, NAMIC worked with members of Congress on a new incentive law allowing the president to raise the federal cost share for disaster recovery for those states that have taken steps to mitigate against severe weather. NAMIC is now working with FEMA to develop specific guidance on the actions states can take to utilize this new provision. Ohio lawmakers have unanimously rejected a controversial insurance decision reached by an influential legal group that guides judges around the country. NAMIC has been a leading advocate for tempering the American Law Institute's recently passed restatement of the law of liability insurance. NAMIC and many others believe the ALI's restatement has gone too far, attempting to create new law rather than simply restate it. Paul Tietro, NAMIC State and Policy Affairs Council, says the Ohio statute is a big win for the insurance industry. So what the significance of the Ohio law is that is now in statute, and a statute is something else you can cite to. And the, what the, the new law says, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a line in a in a broader statute that addresses a lot of other issues, but it states generally that 
the American Law Institute's restatement of, of the law of liability insurance is not to be is not the public policy of the state of Ohio. So it's a significant uh, public uh, pronouncement from the legislature, and that's something that uh, that the parties to litigation can cite to. So if one side were to say, you know, arguing that the court should take a certain position because the restatement says that's the, that's the best position. Uh, somebody else can, on the other side, can respond and say, "No, look, the Ohio legislature has um, has has made it very clear that this isn't the, the, a good representation of, of public policy um, in Ohio." And that wouldn't be the only thing that could be cited too, because uh, there's been other there's been publications, law review articles, uh, other other kinds of commentary uh, out there that have criticized the restatement and suggested that it's not uh, to be relied upon as restatements have been historically. NEMIC supports the Ohio measure and commends the Ohio Insurance Institute, our state trade partner, who was instrumental in leading the effort to enact the statute. With the dog days of August now here, it's that time of year when most employees cash in their vacation time. But a Harvard Business Review study suggests there may not be enough employees taking time off. And even if they are, they should be taking more of it. The research also found that extended time off can have benefits for employees and their organizations. On today's Unscripted, our Chuck Chamnis talks with Loudoun Mutual Executive Vice President Tim Copenhaver about a recent sabbatical he took to recharge. Well, I'm very happy to be here with Tim Copenhaver with Loudoun Mutual Insurance Company. Tim, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. And, you know, I thought this would be a great podcast because I remembered back a couple years ago, I think it was maybe early 2016, but I got an email from you and you announced that you would be taking a sabbatical and that your particular focus would be on uh, a cause that you'd already been involved with, the Nature Conservancy. Right. And you were going to take an extended leave from the company and go, um, you know, see other Nature Conservancy properties. You were raising some money for Nature Conservancy, I think, is kind of part of the deal. But anyway, I thought it would be a very interesting um, interview because I think your experience is different and valuable. Uh, so that was the email that, that um, I learned about your, your extended spring breakthrough. Uh, and then we talked about it later. The magazine, our in magazine, wrote about it. But uh, can you tell me what what that was all about when you reached out? Uh, sure. Um, it uh, was more or less a. It was something I could see coming for a while that I wanted to do. Um, my children were going to be grown and out of the nest, uh, so I kind of felt like I wanted to take a little time just to take a break from the routine of life. I mean, my life at Loud Mutual has been great, and I've enjoyed it for the 30 years I was there. Um, but I knew I just kind of wanted to take a break and get away, and I had some hobbies that have been neglected, photography and writing, and just generally being outside exploring. Um, and so I'd been involved in the Nature Conservancy some prior to that, and all of a sudden this theme came together, and I thought, well, I could take this sabbatical to visit some of these properties that I know are going to be so beautiful to see and then also turn it into a fundraiser. And then it's from that point where I decided to reach out to all my insurance industry friends, and that was very successful. I had a lot of responses to that, so it was, it was great. So that's, that was the subject of the email, and I appreciate your contribution. 
Oh, it was my pleasure. You know, I, I ask for more than I give, I think, generally around <laughs> our industry with uh, St. Baldrick's. But that's a separate uh, interview. And thank you for your contributions to St. Baldrick's over the years. Sure. So how did you approach it? Chris Scheip, um, the CEO of Loud Mutual, someone you know, I know very well, one of our great uh, leaders in our industry, has been around NAMIC and involved uh, in many different ways for years. But I assume you probably started with Chris and brought up this idea? Exactly. I wanted to be very respectful and not presumptuous at all. So Chris and I began talking about it several years, I guess, or at least two years before it actually became about. Um, he himself has talked about wanting to do this, but he hasn't gotten around to it. But point is, from the very beginning when Chris and I talked about it, he was 100% supportive of it. Uh, he talked to our chairman about it, who also completely supportive of it. In fact, I had basically a clean slate. He said, take as much time as you want, do whatever you want. It's fine with, with him and the company. Of course, I wasn't going to take advantage of that. I just needed a little break, so I narrowed it down to about three and a half weeks away. I tried to coordinate it, frankly, with uh, some of the other things that were happening at our office that I thought were pretty important, and the timing of uh, the normal workflow within Loud Mutual is a good time for me to be away for a period of time without disrupting things. Because you were the first person to take a break like that, Loud Mutual. And Loud um, Mutual is not a small company, but not a large one. I mean, you have, right. uh, um, I don't know, less than $100 million, I know, in premium. Right. <clears throat> um, so you don't have unlimited staff resources. No, and you're don't. a senior executive with the company. So That's I'm sure right. you had to be it, careful about that. Absolutely. We had to be careful about the planning of it to make sure that things were under control when I left. Uh, we only, like you said, we're, we're a relatively small company, have 35 employees, uh, $60 million in premium now. Uh, but you're right. Uh, all employees seem to have a, an integral part of the success of Loud Mutual. So when people are out for an extended time, it's, it's, it takes some work to make that uh, still successful. So where did you go? Where did I go? Uh, well, our company is located in the northern Virginia area. I grew up in Maryland and lived in West Virginia for a time. So those were the three states that I focused on most and locally. Uh, so I went to... In Maryland, I went to some marshes down on the Chesapeake Bay that were extremely pristine. I love those areas. Went to an, a mountain in West Virginia that's famous for the ice vents at the bottom of it, at the bottom of the mountain. At any time of year, you can feel this cool air wisp, uh, rushing out of the base of it. Hmm. Uh, in Virginia, I got to explore a cave, which was quite an adventure. I'd never been in a cave before. I didn't know if I was going to be claustrophobic or not, but... I arranged to do that with the Virginia's probably foremost cave expert. Uh, I was lucky enough to arrange a private tour with this guy, and he, just me and him went down in this hole and did some exploring. It was a really great experience. Uh, and then I took some time to explore properties out in Arizona, and that was actually tied to the NAMIC event that was going on out there. It was the CEO roundtables and part of my board responsibility. So I was going to be there for a board meeting, and I knew that. Uh, so I leveraged that into seeing some properties out there, and those two were amazing properties uh, with different, completely different fields, of course, than East Coast preserves. Were you able to disconnect completely? I was. Um, I wasn't sure just uh, three and a half weeks if that would happen, but it, there was like a seminal moment at the beginning of my second week. I was still in Maryland just uh, driving to another preserve. I remember it was a Monday morning. It was the beginning of the second week. It was kind of a dreary, rainy day. 
But all of a sudden, it just hit me. I'm like, I still have a long time to go before I have to go back to the office. I feel completely disconnected. The rain didn't bother me that day, and that ended up being one of my favorite uh, preserves to visit. It was just a simple place, but uh, I had such a good time because that was kind of that moment where it was different than what I'd done for the rest of my career with the one-week vacations that we normally take. So right, mark really, off the day and right. now four days left, mark exactly. out three days. Yeah. This really felt good. Yeah. Well, um, what were things like when you returned to work? Uh, they were nearly perfect, <laughs> to be honest with you. Great staff at Loud Mutual um, that have really, they did a great job being sensitive to what I was trying to accomplish. Not that I asked them to do that. I didn't ask anybody to do anything extra. But when I came back, things were completely under control. And that speaks somewhat to the culture of Loud Mutual and probably a lot of NAMIC member companies that we, we take care of our employees. And we've had other people in our office, whether it be the passing of a spouse or, or, or a parent or some other unexpected tragedy that hits, it's amazing how people jump in, and we at Loud Mutual have a history, and as I said, I'm sure a lot of NAMIC members would treat that the same way. So I kind of felt the the effect or the benefit of that upon my return. They looked at that as something special for me and took care of me, so I was very happy about that. That's great. And I, do, I do think you're right. I think it's part of the culture, the mutual insurance industry's Definitely. culture, to support something like this. So, you know, whether it's a vacation or an experience, a sabbatical, you know, I think a lot of people would be interested in it, but it may not be for everyone. Um, who would you recommend it to, and what are some of the things that uh, people should consider when planning for a sabbatical like this? Well, I think to fully enjoy the sabbatical or get what you want out of it, you really do have to plan for it and, and make sure that things are in place and you're not leaving a burden for somebody else. That, that was the, probably the one thing that made it easy for me. Uh, I arranged things so that even within my own family, they were okay with me doing this at work, especially make sure that things weren't... I wasn't leaving someone with a big burden so I could run off and do something that I wanted to do so that would come across too selfish to me. So it was important to make sure that things were arranged properly. Um, who would I recommend it to? I guess just about anybody, so long as there's meaning behind it. You know, don't just use it as an excuse to be away from work for three weeks or four weeks or something like that. To me, it was about reconnecting with something, and that uh, that gave me a lot of energy upon my return. I was able to attend to some things that had been neglected a little bit, and so that's, I guess it would have to be someone that would be in, be vulnerable to that, that that needs to kind of reconnect with something that's important to their to them and their life and after that reconnection it makes you a better person i'd say tim thanks for sharing your story about it clearly you know it took the support of uh, chris and your board chairman but really it, it took your um, desire and then your kind of unselfish and and considerate approach to planning it and considering mm -hmm. its impact on your coworkers and then being able to pull it off. So a uh, tribute to you, and uh, thanks again for sharing the experience with us today. You're welcome. And when are you taking yours, Chuck? Yeah, that's, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> Wait, I'm asking the questions here, <laughs> I know okay? You, are. <laughs> uh, you know, I have been on one two-week vacation, and I do remember, and I was thinking about it, as you said, when you got into your second week, it's mm -hmm. like it felt different because right. the one week is just, yep. it's a week. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, I need to focus on that. Yes, you uh, do. I have not, uh, but I think you're right, too. 
I don't want to just go on, you know, two weeks at the beach or something. And even the disconnecting part is mm-hmm. you'd have to plan for that because it would be hard, not just on, you know, well, mm-hmm. hard on me to right. fully disconnect. But thanks for the question. I'll, I'll put that in the uh, <laughs> thinking and uh, try and get on that, and I'll let you know when okay. I figure it out. Thanks again. Thank you. Appreciate it. On the next Unscripted, Chuck talks with NAMIC's general counsel, Tom Carroll, about emerging technologies. Tom has helped NAMIC lead the charge on a number of key issues, including automated vehicles and drones. And that's a wrap for us today. Don't forget to tune in to our next episode of Insurance Uncovered on August 22nd. I'm Kathy Imus. Thanks for listening.